church. How's everybody doing today? You guys good? Man, it is good to worship. It's good to worship, isn't it? Man, I love just getting to worship together as a family. And I want to take a moment right now and, and not just greet those of you in Conway, but I want to say hello to everybody on all of our campuses because I know we got people in Ainer, at South Strand, at J. Rubin, and online. Everybody joining. So, yeah. So we're thankful for you, glad you're here, and uh, if you are new with us, make sure you connect. And, and I want to say this just one more time, it is Father's Day weekend, so can, can we just cheer on our dads who are in the room, all right? Maybe give your dad a hug, maybe give your dad 20 bucks if you got 20 bucks. Yeah, I, I thought you dads would like it if I said that, all right? But, but seriously, dads, we're thankful for you, and let, let me just say this right at the beginning. We're starting a new series today uh, that's going to last for the next four weeks, and, and it's called In Your Corner, and it's really geared towards guys, all right? So if you're a guy, whether you're 14 or 84, it's a series for you. Now, it'll apply to everybody. If you're a lady in the room, it'll apply to you because anytime we teach, we're going to teach from God's word, which means everybody can take something from it. Um, but, but we're really going to target some, some men, especially on Father's Day and then even throughout the series. And the idea of In Your Corner came from MMA and boxing. Now, I'm just curious, across all of our campuses, raise this, your hand if this is true, how many of you all like, like UFC or boxing? Anybody in the room? Okay, excellent, all right? Like, guys, I want you to know, I'm all into it. Like, like I love it. But here's reality. I am not the biggest UFC fan in my household. It's my wife, Krista, okay? I'm just letting you all know that right now. That, that some of you know my wife, Krista, and you think, oh, she's nice and sweet and innocent. She, like, loves seeing people get pummeled in UFC. She loves it, all right? Like, like no joke. Like, it'll be a Saturday. I'll be like, what are we doing tonight? She's like, what do you mean, what are we doing? It's fight night. The early prelims come on at 4, uh, regular prelims at 7, and then the main card. And no joke, Keely, our granddaughter, seems to be at our house most Saturdays, and Sure enough, if you walk into the house, anytime after 5 o'clock, Krista will be sitting in the chair, Keely will be sitting on her lap, and together they'll be watching UFC. They love it. Like, you could go up to her at any moment and say any name of a UFC fighter, guy or gal, and she'll be able to go, oh, let me tell you about this fight. Because of her, I've watched a lot of UFC now. And, you know, growing up, for my generation, it was boxing, right? And boxing's still kind of a thing. But, but today's generation, it's UFC. And, and what I notice is whether it's boxing or UFC, either one, that, that when a guy is coming in to fight, that, that you'll see him coming down the aisle or you'll see them coming towards the ring and there's always a few people walking with them. And you might not know this, so let me help you. It's like as a fighter is coming towards the octagon, as they call it in UFC, that he'll have usually about three people walking with him. And, and when they get up and, and they're getting ready to, to go into the ring, that, that, that they'll turn around and they'll hug those three guys and, and then they'll do the fight check and then they'll go in. And then those three guys will go to their corner. 
And, and typically, the guys are, are, you could almost label them this way. There's a hype man. The hype man is the guy going, dude, you can do it. Like, like this is you, man. You got this. You're the best fighter in America. You're the best fighter in the world. You're going to win tonight. There's a hype man. Then there's also a cut man. Like, so when you do get beat up, that, that he's there to, to, to put the ice on, to put the, the salve on, to, to get you ready for the next uh, round. And then there's also a trainer or a coach. The guy who's saying, hey, you've let your guard down, or hey, attack this leg, or whatever it is that they're coaching you. These are guys in your corner. And what we're going to do starting next week is we're going to talk about each one of those positions and about how we all need people, whether you're a guy or a gal here, we all need people who are in our corner. We all need a coach in our life. We all need somebody who's a hype man, who's an encourager in our life. We all need somebody who's there to help us when we're hurting and, and when we've been cut. We all need people in our corner because you can't nor should you do life alone. Maybe a better way for me to say that is you shouldn't and you can't do life alone. You can't do regular life alone and you definitely can't do the Christian life alone. That you've got to have people in your corner. So we want to talk about that. But before we talk about them, we got to talk about us. Maybe the better way for me to say that is we got to talk about you. I got to talk about me. Because none of those people in the UFC fight, none of those people are in the corner unless there's a fighter in the corner, right? Like, like those three people wouldn't be walking down the aisle all excited about the fight if there wasn't a fighter going down the aisle, if there wasn't a boxer going down the aisle. So before we can talk about the other people you should have in your corner, we need to talk about you being in the corner, you being in your corner. But we need to talk about, especially on Father's Day weekend, how to be a, a man of God, how, how to be the man in the corner. And again, if you're a female, a lot of this is going to apply to you as well, that we got to figure out who you are in that corner. So to do that, I'm just going to turn to, to the book of Timothy. And what the book of Timothy is, is there was a guy named Paul, and he was instructing Timothy on how he should live. Because if, if I'm going to say that you need to be the man, that you need to be the man in your corner, you need to be the fighter, then, then you need to understand that it's not just something you have to guess at. The beauty is we can go to Scripture, and Scripture can teach us how to be that person. Uh, so, so let's just go to it. It starts with 1 Timothy, and it's chapter 6, and it's verse 11 and 12. And these are going to be our main two verses uh, for our whole time together. And it starts by saying this. It says, but you, man of God. Let me just, let me just stop right there, all right? That, that we've got to start with this idea of man of God. That, that we need to be the man of God. And again, if you're a lady, then you can put that word, I need to be a woman of God. But you need to be a, a man of God. And too many times we think like things like, well, I want to be a, a man of strength. And I want to be a man of power. And I want to be a man of wealth. And I want to be a man of influence. But really, the best man we could possibly be in our corner is simply a man of God or a woman of God. Amen? Like, that's really where we need to be targeting. 
Not how to be a man of wealth or a, a man of power or a man of influence, but now I just want to be a man of God. Well, how do I do that? Well, we just follow the verse. It says, but you, man of God, flee from all this. Flee from all this. That, that I want to start by just teaching you one word, and that's simply to flee. And as men, let's be honest, we're not very good at fleeing. As men, we think, i got to stand and fight. As men, i got, I got to be right there in the moment. But, but scripture, what Paul is actually telling Timothy is, you got to be willing to flee. And I just don't think as men we're really good at flee. We're not really good at, at running, all right? That we want to be in the moment. We want to stand our ground. We want to be right there. I, I think we kind of flee like this when we do flee. Anybody remember the old Geico commercial where they're like, we got to run away from this guy who's got, trying to kill us. Let's go over into this barn full of chainsaws. You remember that commercial? And I think that's kind of how we flee because we don't really want to flee. So we just put ourselves in worse situations. That, that, that when stuff comes up, we don't flee very well. What we need to do is we need to learn that when the situation calls for it, we simply need to flee. It reminds me of a time that my youngest son, Tate, he was in middle school. He's probably about seventh grade. And I remember one night he said, hey, Dad, will, will you take me to this haunted house? Uh, we were living in Illinois at the time. And he's like, will you take me to this haunted house? I'm like, Tate, you hate haunted houses. He goes, I know, but all my friends are going. And I got to go because if I don't go, it's going to be bad. And I got to be there. And I'm like, you're going to go to a haunted house. He goes, I'm going to go, Dad. I was like, all right, whatever. So I take him, and I drop him off, and there's a long line like there typically is at a haunted house. And, and then when I picked him up later, I'm like, all right, bro, how'd it go? He goes, oh, it's fine. I was like, no, seriously, dude. Like, I know you, you probably about peed yourself. He goes, oh, no, I was great. I was like, how? He goes, because I just stood in line with everybody, and I stood at, at, like I was the last person in our friend group. And once everybody went through the door, I said, see you on the other side. And he ran around the entire facility, ran around the entire facility and stood at the back door where everybody came out. And I was like, okay, that's wise. You fleed from a situation that you knew would not be good for you personally. Now, we can joke about that one. But, but let's talk about it for real. What is it that we need to flee from? Because the Apostle Paul, he told Timothy, flee from all of this. Well, what's this? Well, everything he had communicated so far. And I'm not going to go through all the way through the book of 1 Timothy, but, but I, can, I can kind of boil it down to two words. Flee from Satan and flee from sin. That if you want to be a man of God or a woman of God, then we need to flee from Satan. Because Satan is trying to trip us up. That Satan is trying to destroy us. That, that Satan, it says in 1 Peter, is a roaring lion looking for who he might devour. Satan is coming after us, and he's wanting to trip you up. If you're a dad in the room, he's wanting to trip you up. He's wanting to ruin your life, your family's life, your married life. He's wanting to devour everything to stop the work of God in you and through you. So when we see Satan attacking, and he will flee, run, get out of there, but also flee sin. 
See, I, I think sometimes as Christians, we might have a problem that we think, well, everything that I do that is wrong or is bad or anytime I've sinned, it's Satan's fault. No. There's times that he tempts us and tricks us. Absolutely. But we have to take accountability of our own sins. Because when we sin, we can't blame it on anybody else. The only person we can blame it on is our own sinful desires that we have stepped into. So when we see sin in front of us, flee, run, get out of there like Joseph did from the Bible. When, when, when he had a woman coming on to him who wasn't his wife and was married to somebody else, he said, I'm out. And he flees. I think the problem is, is too many times we're like David who stares at Bathsheba. The, the, the reality is, is David didn't flee when he saw Bathsheba and he allowed sin into his life. That, that Abraham didn't flee when he thought about lying. That, 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 Abra, that, that Noah didn't flee when he decided to, to get drunk. That, that Solomon didn't flee when, when all the ladies were coming around. That, that Samson didn't flee when, when pride was coming near. That, that these biblical characters of the past, when they saw sin, they stepped into it rather than fleeing. So I want to encourage you as a man of God or a woman of God, the first thing we need to do, if we want to be a man of God, if we want to be a woman of God, is flee. And then the second thing we need to do is pursue. Now, I'm actually going to ask our pastors on all of our other campuses to take over here and talk about pursuing. You know... The, one of the great things about following Jesus is that we are made right instantly when we decide to follow him. It's an amazing thing. It's an incredible thing. But that shouldn't be the end of the road. It's really the beginning of the journey where we are living a life in pursuit of becoming more and more like him. And the reason I believe that is so important is because if you try to flee from evil, you try to flee from sin, you try to flee from those different things that are negatively influencing you, with no aim point on where you want to go, with no destination, oftentimes people end up right back where they started. They miss out on where they should be going, the virtues they should have, the attributes, the characteristics that they should be trying to attain. They miss out on it because there's no actual aim point. So once we decide that we are going to flee, then we begin a lifelong pursuit of these godly virtues that I want to talk about here in just a moment. And I really do believe, like, if we do this, if we have this destination, if we have this goal, if we have this pursuit, what we're going to do is we're going to strengthen our fight and our fleeing against Satan. So here's what we need to do. First uh, Timothy 6.11, we're going back into it. It says, but you, man of God, flee from all of this. And then it says, and pursue righteousness. Now, righteousness, let's stop there. Righteousness is doing what is right by God and by others. Like I said, Jesus makes us right uh, right away with him. But we should be trying to do what is right at all points after that and live what is right and fight the right way and win the right way. We shouldn't just try to be cheating and getting past different things. We should be doing things with integrity. We should be living right. Now, 
I, I know in my life there are people that I know that live the right way, that do the right thing, even if it takes them a step backwards, by them doing it, they are showing me their, their true character. And I know with those kind of people, I want to be around them, I want to uh, celebrate them, I want to be like them myself. So we gotta pursue righteousness. But then we also gotta pursue godliness, which is trying to follow the footsteps of Jesus. That's one of the most amazing things about this book right here is that we can see how Jesus lived. We can see what he did, and we can say, okay, I'm going to do everything I can to become more like him. Now, granted, are we going to be able to do that? No, because we're human, and he is not, and, and we're going to make mistakes. We're going to have some problems, and we're going to uh, make some bad decisions, but we can strive to be more like him. So we pursue righteousness, we pursue godliness, and we pursue faith. Trusting that God's way and God's will is uh, what we need to follow. People can sometimes get it mixed up that once you decide to follow Jesus, that life is going to be perfect. And life is going to be just nothing but happiness and, and joy. And the truth is, when you decide to follow Jesus, it's going to get hard. It's going to be a challenge. Scripture says that we're going to suffer, right? And because of that, in those moments, a lot of times it's easy to fall away at that point. It's easy to not trust God's plan. It's, not, it's easy not to have faith in his will, not to have faith in what he's trying to do. We've got to say, no, no, no. His way, his will is the better way. I'm pursuing faith. That's how I get through those trials. That's how I get through the temptations. That's how I get through those troubles. And as I pursue that faith, I'm also going to pursue love. A life of love. We got to love the people that we're sitting next to. We love our family. We love our friends. We love our neighbors. We love our coworkers. But we also got to love the people that we don't like. I know there's all of us that we have these people that we seem to clash with, we butt heads with, that we have problems with. And it is a challenge to love them. I get that. But it's what God has called us to do. Jesus said the most two important commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So we got to look at the people that in our lives, and we got to love them like Jesus did. And as we do that, we got to have endurance. We got to pursue endurance. We have to be a man of grit. We have to be a woman of grit. Earlier this year, I, I preached about how endurance leads to excellence, and um, the whole idea behind it is we set these New Year's resolutions, we set these goals, and if we really want to accomplish what we want to accomplish at the beginning of the year, the rest of the year we have to have endurance. Now, I'm not going to ask us how many of us actually have continued on with our New Year's resolutions, but what I do know is the people that have endurance, it does lead to excellence later on in their life. And the final thing that the, th the scripture says to pursue is gentleness. Now, this is kind of a strange term when we're talking about manhood and we're talking about being a father because a lot of times we do not attribute the attribute of gentleness to men because it's all suck it up, brush it off, quit crying, get over, all those terms. But the way this scripture really is meaning it is talking about humility. You know, it, it's very... Often, I, I include myself on this, that we deal with pride and we 
come in and we just want to do things our way and we want to come in and, and kind of just tell people to get over it so we can focus on ourselves more. But we actually have to approach people with humility and gentleness. You see, if, if we don't pursue these things, then we're fleeing with no destination. We're fleeing with no goal. We're fleeing with no way to how to get away from those things. And if we begin to do that, then we will begin to lose the fight. But if we begin to focus on those things, to pursue those things, then we actually stand a chance. The first word we talked about tonight was flee. The second word we talked about tonight is pursue. The third word that we're talking about is fight. In 1 Timothy 6, 12, it says, fight the good fight of faith. And we are in a fight for our faith. This is a fight that, that, that we are all a part of. We are fighting for what we believe in. We are fighting for good. Now, that doesn't mean we're standing there trying to square up with people, right? We're not trying to throw fists. We're not trying to put people in rear naked chokeholds, right? No, we are fighting with a greater purpose. And this scripture actually takes it a different direction than how we so often interpret it. The Greek word that is used here is where we get the word agony. What that really means, the definition of what it's trying to communicate here, is that if we want to fight, we have to be disciplined. Because being disciplined is how you fight your sinful nature. It's how you fight those temptations. It's how you fight those troubles. You say, I'm going to be disciplined to what I know is right, and I'm going to continually do what I need to do. I'll be real with you guys. I, I love preaching about discipline, but I am terrible at practicing it. I love to say, like, I'm going to get up early in the morning, and then that alarm clock goes off. And I don't want to get up. Is anybody in here with me on that, right? Like, you're like, hey, I'm going to get up at 5.30 tomorrow morning. And your spouse is like, no, you're not. Your alarm's going to go off and it's going to wake me up, right? Or maybe you say, like, I, I want to eat healthy. And then you sit down and you grab your lunch. And you're, you're like, oh, man, I'm starving. And you look at your, your lunch and you, you meal prepped, right? But the problem with meal prepping is meal prepping is just a fancy word for leftovers, right? And you're just like, ugh. I don't want to, this is four-day-old chicken. Why am I forced to eat this, right? You know, for me, like, I, I love to write. So one thing I'll say is, like, I'm going to write at night. And then I sit down at my desk. But the problem is right there on my desk is also my Xbox. I'm like, ah. Right? These are different things that we have to be disciplined with, or I want to be disciplined with, but I'm not. But if you really look at this whole idea of fighting and MMA and boxing, whatever term you want to use there, Fighters who are successful are extremely disciplined. They're going to do exactly what they need to do at the exact right time in the exact right way so that they could have great success. And I believe if we want to be great women and men of God, then we have to be extremely disciplined as well. We have to do the right things over and over and over again. That's hard. I don't always want to do that. See, where I grew up, wrestling was, was a really big sport, that kind of Illinois, Iowa, Missouri area, it, huge sport. And one of my football coaches was the, uh, the varsity wrestling coach, and he was always saying, Clay, you should wrestle. Clay, you should wrestle. You should wrestle. And I was like, okay, like, I'll, I'll think about it one year. So I was sitting there, I was kind of thinking about it. It was during their off season, and uh, I was sitting there, and I was sitting next to this kid named Jaden in math class. 
And as I was sitting next to Jaden, Jaden kept grabbing this water bottle and spitting into it. Now, I know we could all think he, he has a lipper in at that point. He did not. He was just spitting into that water bottle. And I was like, Jaden, why are you... Why are you spitting into a water bottle? And he said, I'm trying to cut weight. I have to eliminate every ounce of liquid from my body. So this is what I have to do for the next three days. And I just stared at him. And it was in that moment, I realized, I don't have what it takes to be a wrestler, right? Like, like I was the kid that, that when, it, when we were at football practice and coach would be like, Hey, no walking on the field. I would kind of do like, like this move where it's like you're like not really running, but it kind of looks like you're running because your arms are bouncing, right? I was just like, I am not committed because you'd walk into the school at like 5, 30, 6 a.m., and you would see them getting done with practice, and they're taking off trash bags, right, because they had to sweat it out. Wrestlers are crazy, but they're disciplined, right, because they have a goal of what they want to accomplish, and they would do whatever it takes to do that. That's what we have to do as well. We have to look at what we need to be routinely disciplined to. Things like being in God's word. Or pursuing uh, righteousness and godliness and faith and love and endurance and gentleness and humility. Frankly, it's very easy to tap out. It's very easy to say, like, I'm just not going to be disciplined. But if we want to win the fight, we have to be disciplined against our sinful nature and say, I know what I want to do, but that's not what I need to do. So I'm going to do what I need to do instead of what I want to do so that I can be better off in this fight. And as you do that, you will find that you will have success. You will find that you will have victories. But here's where it gets really, really dangerous. Yes, we're going to flee. Yes, we're going to pursue. Yes, we're going to fight by being disciplined. But where that leads us to is where we have to hold on. The second part of verse 12, it, it says this. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. We got to hold on to that eternal life that God gave us. We got to live the right way. Do not give up what you're supposed to be doing. Don't just have a singular victory and move past it. This is what I believe a lot of MMA fighters struggle with. They, they make basically zero money. They're extremely disciplined. They're working, they're working, they're working, they're working, they're working, they're working. They finally get to the mountaintop. I call it McGregor money. Once you get McGregor money and you're that champion, you have all the fame, you have all the success, you've went through the grind, you've been working hard. All of a sudden, you get to the top of that mountain and your discipline starts going away. You make bad choices. And you're not training as hard. And you start losing a fight here and you lose a fight there and all of a sudden, you're a shell of who you once were. Yes, discipline will get us to the victory, but we have to hold on to that discipline because what happens is a lot of us, we get comfortable in our faith. There's times where maybe you've been serving the Lord for 20, 30, 40 years, and you've been following, but because of that, you're starting to get a little comfortable, starting not to challenge yourself. You're starting to let go of your discipline, like, oh, I'll make it to church next week. Oh, it's no big deal if I don't read this week. 
Oh, I, I don't need to pray with my family. They know I'm praying with them. You see, all these things start to add up over time, and it'll lead to you, before you know it, falling off that mountaintop experience. The other side of this is, I've seen it a lot, where people will have a major faith breakthrough. We're about to go into camp season. It's a perfect example of this. Kids are out camp uh, in our student camps. Students will come back with this mountaintop experience where they have experienced Jesus. They're at the top of the world. Then they come back. They get comfortable again. And all those things that they want to do, they start to fall away because they're not holding on to what they were doing previously. Don't let normalcy turn into apathy. And it's a big struggle for Christians where things become so routine, become so normal, that you become apathetic about what you need to do. No, remain passionate about it because you want to experience the victory that is in Christ. And I promise you there's a victory in Christ because after all of this Paul has a great, what they call doxology, that it's, it's a great thing. So I'm going to read this whole section because it is powerful, and I think it will give us a great understanding of what this scripture is all about. It says, but you, man of God, flee from these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you have made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God who gives life to all and of Christ Jesus who gave a good confession before Pontius Pilate, I charge you to keep this command without fault or failure until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. God will bring this about in his own time he is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal, who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal power. Amen. The fight is happening, guys all around us what are you going to do about it are you going to recognize the fight are you going to face the fight and go alright I'm in it or are you just going to keep ignoring it I want to talk to the, the dads here for a second there's a fight going on for your faith but on top of that there's a fight for your family's faith Statistics say if a male is the spiritual leader of the household, whether it's a dad or a father figure or the man of the household, whatever it may be, that that family has greater spiritual success, is healthier, is happier, is more connected. Can you be that for them? So maybe what you need to do, all of us need to do, maybe one of us needs to just flee. Flee from the, the sinful life that we have been living or the temptation that we've been dealing with or the addiction that we have. We need to flee from it. We need to say, all right, I'm done with that old life. And if that's you in here, we got people in the, the prayer corners that would love to connect with you, to pray with you, and help you take that first step saying, you know, I'm done with that life. 
others of you, you've, you, you're saying, man, I need to pursue. Because when I read all of those words about pursuing, you said that word stuck out to me. Man, I need to have more faith because the season I'm in is hard. Man, I know I need to love these people because it's, it's a season where they need love. Maybe you need to be gentle and humble and support your family better. Maybe it's, it, it's something like righteousness. And you need to begin to do what is right on a consistent basis. Whatever the case is, pursue that. Chase after that. Be that for you, for your faith, for your family. Maybe some of us need to make the decision of being disciplined. Where we've been running around just saying we want to do this. We say we want to do that. We say we have all these dreams. We have all these goals. But you need to say, you know what? I'm done talking and I'm starting to act. I'm starting to make a difference. I'm starting today to be the disciplined person that I need for my faith, that my family needs for their faith, that everyone in this world needs to be. Because I have coworkers that need it. I have neighbors that need it. I have classmates. I have teammates that need me to be the disciplined person I can be. So maybe today is the day you're saying, I'm going to fight my sinful nature by being disciplined so that I can make a difference. Or maybe you've been doing this for a long time. You can feel that normalcy turning into apathy. Today you're saying, man, I, I got to stop that. I need to be passionate. I need to hold on to the confession that I made because that matters. And I'm not going to backslide. I'm not going to fall back into my old ways, but I'm going to continue this new path. We are all in a battle. We are all in a fight. And that's challenging. But the good news is, is even though we are in a battle, Jesus has already won the war. By Jesus dying on the cross and three days later raising from the dead, defeating death, defeating pain, defeating sin, defeating Satan, we win. And it might not always feel that way, but at the end of the day, for all of eternity, we will win if we decide to follow Jesus and live our lives following him, right? So what are you going to do today? Maybe today is the day that you step in and fight. I'm going to challenge you today. Simple response. Pick one of those four things. Flee from your sinful past. Flee from your sinful nature. And pursue. Run to a father. Run to a God. Run to Jesus who can change everything in your life. So do me a favor. Go ahead and stand with me. We got people in the prayer corners that would love to pray with you. We've got communion up here at the front where, where you can remind yourself of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. You want to take the step of baptism, we got people that would love to connect with you about that. We got baptism clothes in the back that we can walk through. Whatever the case may be, we are all in a fight today. Let's win that fight. Let's flee, let's pursue, let's be disciplined, and let's hold on. Let me pray for all of us. Jesus, help us in this fight that we are in. Lord, we know you are the victor. We know that you have won the war, so Lord, help us win the battle today. Lord, we choose to run to you. We choose to chase after you, Lord. We choose to trust you. So Lord, today, we're connecting with you. Show up in our lives and help us win. We love you.